All right, good morning, Central Family. How's everyone? Fantastic. If you're joining us online this morning, uh, Facebook Live or our website, we're glad you're joining us. If you're in the concourse uh, outside the worship center, welcome this morning. If you're in our overflow in the Oakwood Chapel, we are so glad you're here this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us uh, here at Central. A couple of quick announcements before we get started. First of all, God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. God so loved you. Amen. You are so loved this morning, regardless of where you are in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Man, he, he knows you, he sees you, and he loves you with an everlasting covenant love uh, that doesn't fade. Um, if you're being water baptized tonight, there's a mandatory meeting right after this service, a short meeting in the, in the prayer chapel, which is to your left out those doors and around the corner. So you, you need to get your t-shirt, you need to get some final instructions. So if you're being water baptized, make your way after the service. The other thing is tonight at four o'clock is a baptism service. I want everyone to come, whether you know somebody being baptized or not. It's a fantastic evening. People are going to be sharing what God's been doing in their life. They're going to publicly identify with Christ and be water baptized. It's just an inspiring service. So I encourage everybody to attend tonight as well. Amen. We're continuing a teaching in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And as Nathan mentioned, we're in a month of focused prayer. And so I'm teaching through the Lord's Prayer in that sermon in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Um, the disciples of Jesus came to him after observing his life. They'd been with him a while. They saw the miracles They saw the wisdom. Uh, They saw the power that he walked in. They they saw his faith. They saw the intimate relationship he had with God the Father. And they wanted that for themselves. And so they went to Jesus in Luke chapter 11. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like you pray. And and following that question, that request, Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer. Now in, in Luke, it's a little bit abbreviated. We're used to the Matthew version of that. It's a little bit longer in Matthew. Um, but, the, but the response of Jesus was not just, oh no, what do I, what do I tell them? How, how should I tell them to pray? Jesus just shared from his heart how he prays. They, they said, teach us to pray like, like you pray. And so Jesus gave us an instruction about the way that he prays when he gets alone with the Father. And his response was very intentional. The Lord's prayer is really uh, intentional by, by Jesus. In fact, the first half of the prayer, he focuses on God. The second half of the prayer, he focuses on on us and our needs. And there's a reason for that. It's as though Jesus is saying to us, when you pray, uh, having a revelation of God uh, should should start every one of your prayers. In other words, who you pray to is going to determine what you pray and how you pray. So Jesus wants us to first focus on God. He wants us to have an understanding of who God is because that shapes our prayers. And so I've sh- I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that I think Jesus gives us five divine images of God or five pictures of God in the Lord's Prayer. How many of you are visual learners? I'm a visual learner. If I have pictures, it helps me to understand things. And Jesus gives us five pictures of who God the Father is so it'll help us as we walk through that prayer. The first thing I said a couple of weeks ago is that God is a loving Father. God's a loving Father. The second thing I said last week was God is a sovereign King your kingdom come, your will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. And this week we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus wants us to see God as a generous host, a generous host when we come to him in prayer. Would you stand with me this morning? 
We are going to say that prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Many of you have memorized this. Maybe most of you have. It might have been part of your church tradition. I want you to say it in whatever version you memorized it in, whatever you're comfortable with. It may be a little bit different than what I'm saying, maybe a little bit different than what someone behind you or next to you is saying. We'll put the words up here in case you don't really know it by heart at all. But let's say that prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for sharing that prayer with me this morning. Give us today our daily bread. How many of you have ever had dinner at the house of someone who had the gift of hospitality? Do you know what that's? It, I mean, that's an experience. It's incredible. It's like staying at the Ritz-Carlton. I, I, mean, I mean, people with the gift of hospitality go overboard with food and all of the accommodation. I mean, they just, they want to bless you. The, the goal of someone with the gift of hospitality is not to cut the food so close that, that everybody has enough and there's none left over. That's not the goal of someone with the gift of hospitality. The goal of someone with the gift of hospitality is that everybody has as much as they want and there's some left over to send home with the guests. You know what I'm talking about? So if you're a, if you're a, a grandma with the gift of hospitality, here's what you do. Uh, you, you cook this great meal for the family, more than enough, and then you, you send food home with the family. And then you make little goodie bags for all of the kids. Uh, you, you, uh, when the meals, oh, this one, my mom has a gift of hospitality. So we'd go over there when my kids were little for dinner. She cooked this incredible meal. She'd break out the plastic containers, start packing it with food and sending food home because she knew we loved her food and her cooking. And then she'd make for each kid this little goodie bag. She'd get the, the Werther's caramels out of the cupboard and all the things that they like. And she, here's what she said. She said, uh, they need something to hold them over until they on the drive home. <laughs> it's a five minute drive, mom. Like, you just stuffed us with food, but now they need something to hold them over. See, that, that's a grandma with the gift of hospitality. And Jesus wants us to know in this prayer, God has the gift of hospitality. Let's pray. Lord, help us to understand what that means, that you are a generous host, that you have the gift of hospitality. As we approach you in prayer, help us to realize that you want to give great things into our lives. You want to give us more than we actually need. Help us to understand that as we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, give us today our daily bread. What did he mean? What did he mean to the first century Jew? What did he mean to the Jewish disciples that he was teaching that prayer to? What, what would they have understood by that statement, give us today our daily bread. That's what I want to talk about just for a few minutes. The first thing I want to say is this. Our daily bread comes from God. Our da daily bread comes from God. That sounds so elementary. I, I know it does. But we have, to, we have to unpack that just a little bit. So when, when Jesus said, give us today our daily bread, the disciples who were Jewish immediately went back in their history to the time of the Exodus. Their minds immediately went back to when God had delivered the, the Jewish people from, from Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. Because when he brought them into the wilderness, they were 100% dependent on God for everything. 
They, they didn't have food. They didn't have water. They were in the desert. And God had to totally provide all of their needs for them. And God did. God gave them daily bread called manna. If you remember the story, God, God rained down. It came from the sky, this manna, this bread-like substance that formed on the ground. And so when the disciples heard Jesus say, give us today, pray this way, Lord, give us our daily bread. They immediately went to the wilderness. They immediately went back to that point when God gave them bread every day from heaven. Here, here's what it says in Exodus chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day, say each day. Every day. The people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. What is he telling them? There's going to be more than enough. And I'm going to leave it up to you. You go, you know what your family eats. You know how many kids you have. You know about how much you're going to need every day. So you go out and you gather as much as you need every single day. There's not going to be any, any problem with you, you having enough. So, so God, God wanted them to know right away that he was going to rain down from heaven uh, bread to provide for their food needs. So after a few days, after a few weeks of seeing God do this over and over and over, they stopped wondering if God was going to give them their daily bread. They, they stopped wondering if God was going to provide it. There was no fear. It was just a, a routine now. They got up in the morning. The first thing was, I've got to go gather bread for the day. I've got to go gather. And there's going to be more than enough every day. When Jesus said, pray this way, give us today our daily bread, he was flashing them back to that time in the wilderness when God proved that he would faithfully every day provide the bread that they needed. Now, this was true all through Israel's history. Israel knew God. It was, like, it was like the wilderness was God's house. And God was this, this host with the gift of hospitality, giving them manna and eventually quail every day. And so throughout their history, they knew God was faithful to provide everything that they needed. And so the psalmist writes, writes this in Psalm 145. The eyes of all look to who? To you, God. The eyes of all look to you in hope. You give them their food as they need it. When you open your hand, you satisfy the hunger and thirst of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in everything he does, and he is filled with kindness. See, the Jews knew this. They knew that God was a generous host. They knew that God was committed to faithfully providing everything that they needed, that their provision came from God. And because God had over and over throughout their history proven that he was going to care for their needs, whether they were in the wilderness or in Jerusalem, it didn't matter. Because they knew that, God expected them to be like him. God expected them to be hospitable. God expected them to care for the needs of the people around them. God expected them to be generous with other people. So we read this in Leviticus chapter 19. God says to the people of Israel, uh, don't take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites, like family, like brothers and sisters. Care, care for them in that way. And love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. What is he saying? R remember back when you were in slavery in Egypt and I delivered you from that slavery? I brought you into the wilderness and then I cared. You, you were just like strangers wandering through the desert toward the promised land. And I cared for you every day. I met every need. I fed you. I, I gave you every single thing that you needed. In fact, God didn't just give them food in the wilderness. He gave them water. 
He gave them protection from their enemies. He gave them health. He gave them shalom. God, God satisfied all of their needs in the wilderness. And, and so now, because God did that for them, he expects them to do that for others. And so that's why in, in the nation of Israel, among the Jews, hospitality is an incredibly high priority. They value hospitality in, in an incredible way. So, so in, the, in the Talmud, which was the, the Jewish interpretation, the writings of the rabbis about the Jewish law, uh, one rabbi, Rabbi Johanan, said, uh, hospitality is more important than prayer. Wait, 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 wait. Hospitality is more important than prayer? Then Rabbi Judah, he said this, he said, hospitality is more important than, than experiencing the divine presence. Wait, 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 wait. Hospitality is more important than, than being in God's presence? How can that be? And, and the rabbis were just making a point. They were saying, if you, if you ever have to choose between praying and feeding the hungry, which are you going to do? Feed the hungry. You can always pray. If you have to make a decision between like going to church and being in the presence of the Lord or helping someone that's poor that doesn't have anything that they need, you choose that because that's God's priority. God's priority is to care for people. Rabbi Huna, another rabbi, he started this tradition at the Passover meal. The Jews to this day say this at the beginning of the Seder or the Passover meal. They say, let all who are hard pressed come and eat. Let, let all who are in need come and share in the Passover meal. In other words, they recognize God has called them to be hospitable, that if there's any around them, any neighbors, any friends, any family that don't have what they need, there's an invitation, an open invitation to come and join them for their Passover meal. Why? Because that's how God was with them when they were in the wilderness. God generously fed them over and over. The rabbis said this, tradition says this about the patriarch Abraham. They said Abraham rolled up all four sides of his tent so that strangers would have easy access to his hospitality. They believed that from Abraham on, all of the leaders were hospitable towards strangers and people that had needs. Jesus taught about hospitality in his parables over and over. Luke 11 is one great example of that. And, and that, that, that sense of, of Jewish hospitality, it, 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 was, it flowed right through into the New Testament into the New Testament leadership. There, there's tons of scriptures in the, in the New Testament scriptures about being hospitable, taking in strangers, feeding people, and helping people. In fact, in, in 1 Timothy and in Titus, it says that elders and deacons, the leaders in the church, the top leaders in the church, have to love hospitality and have to love having people into their homes to care for them. That, that's just supposed to be part of the, the DNA of the New Testament church because it was rooted way back in the wilderness when Israel experienced this God who was a generous host and who had the gift of hospitality. And so we are to practice that to show people this is what God's like. It's one thing to be great prayers. It's another thing to help people get what they need. Amen? It's one thing to be great worshipers and enjoy the presence of the Lord. But God says, I want you to reflect me by, by caring for the needs of the people around you. They, they understood clearly God was the source of their daily bread. Do you? Do, do you recognize that God is the source? Or are you the source? Is it your intellect? Is it your charisma? Is, is it your education? Well, what is it that gives you your daily bread? Where does it come from? Jesus says, when you pray, when you come before the Lord, recognize when you say, give us today, give me today my daily bread, you're recognizing the source. 
God is the host and your provision comes from him. The second thing he wants us to understand is that our daily bread includes every need. When he says pray, give us this, today our daily bread, he's talking about every need. Now, now scholars, let me, let me, Philippians 4.19 4, says this, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Not some of your needs, not most of your needs, but God is committed to pro- providing for all of your needs. Now, most scholars agree that that word bread in that sentence, give us today our daily bread, is a word that symbolizes all human needs for provision. In other words, it's a, it's a dependence on God. It's a, prayer, it's a prayer for dependence on God to cover every need. I mean, think about it. If this only covered literal food and money to buy food, the only people that this prayer would apply to is people that didn't have enough every day to eat or people that didn't have enough every day to buy food uh, for themselves. Uh, Can we be honest? That's not our problem, is it? Most of you have food, most of you ate probably before you came. Most of you have something in your cupboard, something in your refrigerator, and you're going to have something probably for several days. So if if it's true that, that give us this day our daily bread only means bread or food, then you don't, that, that prayer doesn't apply to you. But it does apply to you because it means every human need in life. It means going before the Lord and saying, give me today my emotional bread. Give me today my mental bread. Give, give me today my spiritual bread. Give me today my physical bread bread. It it covers all of those needs of life. So how how do we navigate the circumstances of our daily lives if we're not drawing on God for all of our needs? How do you deal emotionally if you have a child or a spouse with a life-threatening illness or disease? If you're not drawing on the strength that the Lord's emotional bread provides for your life. How are you, how are you getting by? Many of you have been praying for, for our, our pastor, Adam Barrett, and his wife, Matea, and their two-year-old daughter, uh, Selah. Uh, Selah uh, had RSV that went into a very serious pneumonia. She was hospitalized for 26 days. She's home now and doing well, but she was hospitalized for 26 days. She was intubated. She was on a respirator. She couldn't breathe on her own. Um, her heart stopped. They had to resuscitate her. How as parents do you navigate that emotional crisis if you're not every day saying, you know, God, give me today the emotional strength that I need to deal with the child that could die? H- how do you navigate that in your life? H- how do you navigate anxiety when it, when it spikes or depression or mental health issues? If you're not daily saying, Lord, give me today the, my mental bread, the, the mental strength that I need to, to walk in a manner that you want me to walk in. I, I, I shared with someone before the service this morning that's starting a new job tomorrow morning and is nervous and worried about it. It's kind of a new field. How, how, do, you, how do you deal with all of that if you're, not, if you're not leaning into the Lord and saying, Lord, give me today the, the, the bread that I need to accomplish this in my life. This is a tough week. Thanksgiving is a tough week for many people. It's tough on, on a couple of levels. One is if you, if you struggle with depression or, or medicating yourself with alcohol or drugs, this is, a, this is a serious week. 
for you? How, how do you abstain from that? How do you resist that if you're not saying, Lord, give me today the, the bread that I need to resist these temptations in my life? Some of you are going to be sitting around a table or gathering in a home with family, and that's icky. Sometimes those gatherings, they're just icky. I don't know how else to explain it. They're uncomfortable and awkward because relationships aren't good. So how do you deal with family this week? How do you deal with these gatherings this week if you're not saying, Lord, give me today, give me the emotional stamina, the emotional fortitude, what I need today to deal with these relationships in my life? I'm just going to be honest with you, friends. I do a, a daily morning prayer time at 8 in the morning online. And I prepare for that and I lead that. But that's not my personal time alone with God. And there are days when I get too busy in the morning after that prayer time and I launch right into my day. I just go right into the busyness of the day. I don't, I don't stop and pray, Lord, help. And that's pure arrogance. It's pure pride. Because here's what a prayerless life communicates to God. God, I don't need you. I got it. I got this today. I don't need daily bread today. I'll, I'll live on yesterday's bread or I'll live on what, the, bread, the bread you gave me three days ago. Remember we had that really cool prayer time last week? I'm going to live off of that. And God says, no, you need daily bread. It's arrogant for you to say, I, I, don't, I don't need to pray today. I don't need to ask you for the, the provision in my life. And here's what God said when the children of Israel had, had been uh, in the wilderness. He says this to Moses. God did all of this. So you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this with my wealth, with wealth, I'm sorry, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and my own energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. It's pure arrogance when I do not begin my day saying, God, give me today my daily bread. Would you, would you think about this for a second? This is Jesus' prayer. Jesus prayed this. Jesus went to the Father and said, give me, I, I've got a busy day of ministry today. I'm going to be traveling today. I, I'm going to be doing a lot. To, give me everything I need, Father. For the, If Jesus did that, who are we to say we, we don't need to do that? This is his prayer. He's saying if you want to walk in the power and the victory and the grace that I'm offering you, you need to take that time and say, Father, today, give me the bread, the emotional bread, the mental bread, the physical bread, the spiritual bread. How do you parents even deal with the, your knucklehead kids without every day saying, give me today the parenting bread that I need? Right? How do you, how do you deal with your marriages if you're not saying, give me, the, give me the marital bread today that I need to make this thing work? How do you deal with the, the kids at school that are mean-spirited? If, if you're not praying in the morning before you go to school, God, give me what I need to deal with that, that bully. Give me what I need to deal with that kid that doesn't like me, that makes fun of me. Every day, it's God, give me what I need, the bread that I need. So, so bread, our, our, our daily bread comes from God. Our daily bread includes every need. God wants to meet every No one is exempt from this prayer. And, and the third thing is our, our daily bread is unlimited. Our daily bread is unlimited. Psalm 23.5, you're familiar with this psalm. You prepare a table, that's a picture of a host inviting people to eat. You, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup is half full. Right? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you put a little in my cup today. 
No, my cup overflows. It's a picture of Jewish hospitality. Someone comes to your house after journeying in the desert. Man, you, you anoint them with oil. You refresh their skin, which is dried out from being in the desert sun. You, you give them a meal and you fill their cup with cold water because they're parched in their journey to overflowing. Picture of God's unlimited abundance. Uh, Numbers 11. The Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's power too little? Do, do I not have enough to, to, to give you or to get you what you need? Is the Lord's power too small? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. We already read Philippians 4, 4.19, which says, my God will supply all of your needs according to what? How much you have? Your bank account? Your, your emotional supply? No, according to his riches in glory, according to God's storehouse, which is absolutely unlimited. God has the gift of hospitality. He, he generously fills our cups to overflowing. I, I've shared this before, but when my kids were growing up, we, we didn't have a lot of money. I was in the ministry, didn't make much. And so like on Thanksgiving and Christmas, we, we, when we'd have a meal, we loved Martinelli cider. Y'all love, like Martinelli cider? Like three people, like why don't you drink Martinelli cider? Last service, nobody, nobody like. Okay, we loved it. Maybe we're just like, I don't know. Why don't people like it here? We still love it. Right, and so I would, I would give, you know, we'd, we'd have big glasses for, you know, water and milk and whatever they drank at, at the meal, and then we'd have these little tiny see-through plastic cups for the Martinelli cider. It was almost like we just kind of made a toast or something with that, you know. Um, my kids thought they were taking communion when we broke out the, the Martinelli. That's how little the cups were. They, they thought it was like communion or something. Not God. God, God fills our cups to overflowing. God is a generous host with the gift of hospitality and he wants us to understand that so if God was truly hospitable then then wouldn't we expect Jesus who's the son of God who's the perfect image of God who who is the perfect representation of God in the earth when he walked the earth wouldn't we expect Jesus to demonstrate hospitality and that's exactly what we see so in John chapter 2, Jesus is at a wedding in a small village called Cana in the region of Galilee. Scholars don't know how many people were in that village, but, the, but we don't even know where it was. It doesn't even exist anymore. It was such a small village that it's gone. So maybe a couple hundred people, I don't know. Well, Jesus, they run out of wine, and this is a hospitality story. Instead of allowing the host to be shamed in front of his friends and family by running out of provisions for people as a host, Jesus turned the water into wine, but not just some water into some wine. 180 gallons of wine. Like, let's say there's a couple hundred people. That's, a, that's another gallon of wine for every person. That's a little much. Don't, they'd already been drinking. Saddle up to the bar. Here's your, here's your gallon. Here's your extra gallon today. What's the point? The generosity of God, the, the, the hospitality of God, the, 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 the bounty of God in our lives. Matthew four, in Matthew 14, Jesus feeds approximately 20,000 people that were in the wilderness. They'd been following him for days. They hadn't eaten. Some were fainting because they were so hungry. Jesus asked the disciples, what are we going to do to feed all these people? 20,000 people. They don't have any answers. Some kid had five little loaves of bread and two fish. They said, we have this. Jesus says, bring it to me. He blessed it and prayed over it and broke it and fed 20,000 people. And it says in the story, there were 12 baskets of leftovers. Every disciple got a good bag. Come on, somebody. They, every disciple got a goodie bag to, to take home with them. What's the point? To show the generosity of God, to show that he's a, a host that, that not only meets all of our needs. It says in that text, the people ate as much as they wanted and there were 12 baskets 
left over. He repeats that, that miracle in the next chapter in Matthew 15, and there's seven baskets left over. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is calling the disciples to follow him and they're down on the seashore and, and he's preaching from Peter's boat. And he asked Peter, did you catch anything last night? Peter said, we didn't catch anything. Jesus says, go out a little ways and cast your net again and you'll catch fish. And, and Peter does that. And it says that both Peter and Andrew's boat and James and, and John's boat were completely filled with fish to the point of sinking. Why so many fish? Just to show the, the generosity and the blessing of God in life. That, that, that miracle was also repeated in, in John chapter 21 after Jesus' resurrection. Jesus is standing on the beach and the disciples are out, are out fishing and they recognize that it's Jesus and Jesus calls out to them from the shore. He says, hey, do you have, because he was going to cook, he said, hey, do you have any fish? And they said, no, we haven't caught. It seems like these guys never caught fish and that's what they did. They were fishermen, not very good ones evidently. And Jesus says, well, just, just bring your sorry bodies in here then. And, and as they're coming in, he says, now throw your net out there. And it says they caught a, a boat full of fish, 153 to be exact fish. Why? Generosity of God. There was, there was like 12 of them. Why do they need 153 fish? To show that God's, the, 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 the daily bread that God gives us is unlimited. Friends, when you pray, when you, when you say, God, give us today, give me my daily bread, what are you picturing of God? A stingy God? Or a God that causes fish to overflow in boats? A, a God who creates 180 gallons of wine? A, a God that multiplies bread in the wilderness for everybody to have as much as they want and some left over? Who's the God that you pray to? Jesus said, get this picture in your mind. God is a generous host with the gift of hospitality. And he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He anoints your head with oil and your cup, what? Overflows. That's the picture Jesus wants us to have when we go to the Lord in prayer and say, give us today our daily bread. Would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna close our time in, in prayer as we've been doing. And this week, is, is, is the, the theme is wisdom. We, want, we need God's wisdom as we move forward as a church congregation. And if you're not a regular part of Central, thank you for being here this morning. We're going to take just a moment and pray. We, we'd love you to pray with us. Um, but we're going to pray for wisdom. Here's our scripture verse this week. It comes from James 3, 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. We're going to put up on the screen a, a, a corporate confession, a prayer that we want to pray now together related to, to asking God this week that he'd give us the wisdom we need as we move forward. Let's say this together. God, fill us with your wisdom. Give us not just knowledge, but let us be pure, sincere, peace-loving, and merciful. And let our actions bear good fruit. We pray your wisdom is the path we choose to travel on. Show us how to seek your wisdom and walk in wisdom together. Lord, reveal to us how to move forward with the resources, people, and tools you've given us. Help us to fear you first and courageously follow your leading in all things. Amen. Uh, we're going to take just a moment now and pray together. 
Uh, here's what I want you to do. I, I, I don't want you to panic, first of all. But I'm going to ask you to break into groups of five, six people, seven people. You don't have to pray. But there will be somebody in your group that will be comfortable praying. So go ahead and break into groups of five, six, seven people. Turn around, introduce yourself, say, hi, I'm so-and-so. And we're going to pray for, for one thing this morning in your groups. We're going to ask God to give us, as a church, wisdom and that we would hear God's voice and that we would, we would follow what he tells us to do. Can you pray that in your group this morning? That God would give us wisdom, that we would hear his voice, and that we would follow what he tells us to do. Go ahead and take just a minute in your group and pray that together. You guys are absolute rock stars. You're doing great. Thank you for taking a moment and praying. Lord, this morning we ask you as a church that you would give us wisdom. We ask you as a church that you would allow us to hear your voice. We ask you as a church that we would not only hear your voice, but have the courage to walk in what you tell us to do. Help us, Lord, this week in Christ's name. And everybody said... Amen, amen. You guys are awesome. Thank, thanks for joining us this morning. If you need prayer for anything this morning, come on up. We've got folks up here that would love to pray with you. God bless you.